0: Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is the Lois Wetzel Show, and I'm your host and executive producer, Lois Wetzel, coming to you live at 9 a.m. Central Time from Houston, Texas. This radio show is free all the time to my listeners. I have an archived audio library of spiritual and metaphysical teachings here. Available free at any time of the day or night to everyone on earth with access to a computer. These shows are educational and most of the time I'll be interviewing others who will be telling about what they know, the books they've written or the spiritual work that they do. And sometimes I'll be the one doing the teaching so please join us anytime, either live or later in the archives. I have a free email newsletter to sign up for that or just to read what's on my website. Go to hot.com pinklotus.com Also I've published two books so far Edina, Energy Medicine from the Stars available on Kindle and Akashic Records Case Studies of Past Lives available on Amazon and Kindle The second book Akajic Records is about Akajic Records readings that I've done for other people and the effects of these readings on their lives I'm still doing Akajic Records readings so if you're interested Contact me. The call-in number for this show, if you want to make a comment or ask a question on the air, is 347-945-5309. Good morning. This is Lois. It is the 14th of September and 2012. And I am back on the radio. We're going to be doing this every Friday now for I don't know how long, maybe forever, maybe not that much longer. We'll see. I have been off the radio for a while because I took um, about five weeks to go to um, do research for my next book, which is going to be entitled... Sacred journeys, and it's about um, sacred sites on the earth, and trips that also can be taken to places you don't think of as sacred sites, and yet they turn out to be sacred journeys. Um, So uh, the book is most of the way finished, um, and it's about a whitewater rafting trip through the Grand Canyon. It's about trips I've taken to Mount Shasta, which is a sacred site in California, um, about four hours from the nearest airport, which is either Sacramento or Reno, by car, four, or four and a half hours by car. Um, that's Mount Shasta, California. Also, Stuart Mineral Springs, which is very near there and one of the only two places in the world where uh, there are... A red spring and a white spring very close to each other just within a few feet of each other the other spot where that is um, on the planet at least that we know of is Glastonbury England some of you may have read the book the Isle um, Mists of Avalon which is about the Isle of Avalon and that's in Glastonbury used to be an island right after the last ice age Uh, now it's been drained and uh, everything around it is farmland or the little tiny town of Glastonbury. Um, And uh, there are many other sacred sites that I have visited, including the crystal fields at uh, Arkansas. Most people, you know, in Europe, they didn't even know there were crystal mines in Arkansas. A lot of people know there are some in Brazil, but they didn't know the second largest crystal field in the world is in Arkansas. There's also a diamond mine there, the only diamond mine in the United States and the only one in the world where you can go dig up diamonds yourself. It's called Crater of Diamonds State Park in Arkansas. Um, Yeah, so there are a lot of sacred sites on the planet, and I wanted to go back a second time before I wrote about the Bosnian pyramids, which um, I had visited last year. I wanted to go back a second a second time and gather more data, do a little more research before I complete that part of the book. And uh, then they had a really bad heat wave and I just couldn't handle being there. I was there about 18 days and it was just unrelenting, about 100 degrees a day and no air conditioning to speak of. There certainly wasn't any in, in the hotels. Um, so I made an unplanned trip to England where I stayed with friends for a little while in London, and then went on up to Glastonbury, which is also a very sacred location, um, and spent six days there. And as it turns out, I was on the um, Chalice Hill, which is part of the original Isle of Avalon, a very sacred place. Really awesome things happened there. It was the Chalice Hill Bed and Breakfast, and it was a house built in 1830. So it was a very eventful summer, very eventful, um, slightly over a month. uh, To do the last of the research, a lot happened to me that was unexpected. This is what happens when you visit sacred sites. There's a reason that they've been considered to be sacred for a very long time or been rediscovered as sacred, as in the case of the Bosnian Pyramids. So uh, that's because mystical things happen there to ordinary people. And um, so I've got to process a lot of what happened to me before I'm ready to write about it any further. I was writing, oh, I guess you could say my blog. I was writing, spending a lot of time on the computer uh, when I was in Bosnia, and I shouldn't have been. Because what happens is if you're busy writing, you're probably not... um, experiencing as much as you would be if you were just experiencing and then writing later through the filter of memory. So that's what I at one point decided to do. But of course I had to have a complete hard drive meltdown <laughs> before I got the message. Um, so uh, that is what happened. First of all, the um, Wi-Fi failed in the, ho- in the uh, hotel in Bosnia. And then three days after that it still wasn't fixed and I'm thinking, well, you know, I could be writing anyway, and then upload it to the blog later. And then I had a hard drive crash, which in, you know, 20 years of using a computer, I've never had before. So I started to get the picture. It was so hot I was sick. had a hard drive crash, and I won't go into all the rest of it. But um, I decided that uh, I had enough information. I did manage to chronicle several really strange things that happened to me and to other people, either on the pyramids or in the tunnels that that are being excavated, which under one of the pyramids is leading under the Pyramid of the Sun. And it's... um, Oddly enough, the tunnels are more interesting than the pyramids themselves. And partly, that is because um, the pyramids just aren't... Very well uncovered yet and in fact, a lot of the locals and I think it's a good thing the locals think they're just hills, and people are crazy if they think there are pyramids under those hills. but I think that's a good thing because, like um in Mexico, for example, when the locals became convinced that there were um actually pyramids there, or maybe they always knew, but what happens there is that people go in and dig. And they're not archaeologists, and they're not turning this stuff over to um, proper authorities to put the things they find into museums. Oh no no, they're taking them home and selling them on the black market. So an awful lot of archaeological information has been lost in the Mayan region because of that, because the locals are poor and they don't they didn't study archaeology and they don't have a a historical perspective on the whole thing they just want to feed their families which is very understandable and so a lot of artifacts have been lost in that way and a lot of understanding of the history of the place has been lost in that way but uh, starting in 1972 I have been to those pyramids in Mexico many times and Guatemala and um, I've seen an awful lot of them that were still covered up with dirt I mean they look like hills of trees on them and bushes and wild things, you know, just they look like hills. But the way you know if a a hill is a pyramid, and you might look around your own neighborhood and see if there's some hidden in, in, you know, the vicinity where you live, because people are waking up and finding them all over the place, is that they have three approximately equal. I mean, it's covered with dirt that can mess up the equal thing. Four triangular faces, and they should be oriented to the cardinal directions, meaning they should be facing north, south, east, and west. Not northeast, southeast, that sort of thing, but they should be lined up to north, south, east, and west. And then you start digging. You pick a spot. Now, one of the things I found out when I was in Bosnia this year was, and I found it out from a... A visiting archaeologist, there was there were quite a few archaeology students there, and there was a visiting archaeologist who was kind of getting them organized to work together as a little group. And um, I talked to him quite a bit. He was from New Zealand. One of the things I learned that I had not known before is that the Bosnian pyramids, which were discovered uh, by a Bosnian-American who was home visiting in 2005 named Samir Osmanagic who has a PhD in Mayan studies among his several graduate degrees, um, one of the things he's never mentioned, that, or at least it didn't register, is that that's the largest archaeological site on the planet. And it's unrecognized. That part I know. I already knew that, um, you know, the powers that be in the archaeological community have not recognized it. For what reason? Who knows? It's really obvious if you go there that these are pyramids based on what they've uncovered so far using volunteers. But... um, I didn't realize it was the largest archaeological site on the planet, which is why they jump around from one spot to another. Um, they'll excavate for a while, and go, okay, we know what's here now, and so let's go someplace else and excavate for a while. Well, it's because there's so much to excavate. And one whole face of the Pyramid of the Moon, there are five pyramids there, one whole face of the Pyramid of the Moon still has landmines from that war they had about 15 years ago. And so they can't excavate over there. In fact, you can't walk over there, but they make that very clear when you go up to visit where it is not, where it is safe and where it is not safe to go. And um, so it came as a big shock to me that that was the biggest archaeological site on the planet, and they're not getting any government money. The Bosnian government's not helping them out. It's the man who discovered the pyramids organizing a bunch of volunteers to come excavate these pyramids that are probably the oldest pyramids on the planet. Now, one of the things that's happening is that they're finding pyramids on every continent. Now, and the way they're finding them is from satellite imaging. Those satellites that are taking pictures, uh, you know, circling the Earth in orbit and taking pictures, some people are looking at them for pyramids, and they're finding them. Um, They found them in China. But the governments never, for some reason, the governments never want people to realize their pyramids and excavate them. It's very strange. There's also a lot of um, resistance uh, in the archaeological community because all the books, the history books are going to have to be rewritten. And people's whole careers are going to have to be reevaluated because they wrote all these books, they wrote all these papers based on the understanding that we had. And academicians don't like to be made wrong. The guys who are teaching college who've written the books, they don't want to say, whoops, we didn't know Jack when we wrote that book, so let me write some more books and see if I can get back on my feet here because I was wrong. They really resist that kind of thing. So... um, The Samira Samanagic is uh, taking volunteers every summer to come and work for two weeks at a time. And you can sign up for more than one of those if you want. So you can stay for four weeks. And there's a reduced price on the place where everybody stays. And there's breakfast. And uh, Bosnia is a pretty inexpensive place to eat out every night if you felt like it. And... um, to me, it's a profound experience to go there and help excavate the tunnels that are leading up underneath the pyramids and to excavate the surface of the Pyramid of the Sun and the Pyramid of the Moon and the Pyramid of the Dragon they started working on this year. So it's a really profound experience. And if you ever thought, you know, gosh, I'd like to do something important, I'd like to be where history is being made and not be in a war zone, this is a place to go. Um, because this is the kind of thing you can tell your children and grandchildren about. I helped excavate the oldest pyramids on the planet. And in terms of how do we know how old they are? Well, they're there for a while they'd found uh, organic material. And it was in the tunnels, which carbon dated at about 10 or 11,000 years old. Now bear in mind... Only recently we believed that the world didn't start to exist until 6,000 years ago, and I mean, that's what the Bible says. <laughs> but as it turns out, people have been on the planet a whole lot longer than that, and I know this to be true. open the Akashic records, and I've been told by the guardians of the records that humans have been on this planet for 500,000 years. And I've seen a lot of those ancient cultures, but... Um, This summer, something really kind of awesome happened. They found a piece of what they think was wood. It was organic material. On top of one of the tiles on the pyramids, each of these pyramids is covered with tiles. Um, So under the dirt, about three feet under the dirt, on top of the tile, they found a piece of wood which was clearly there after the pyramid was built because it's on top of the tile which forms the exterior of the pyramid. Um, So it was carbon dated at 25,800 years, plus or minus 200 years. And that just happened, you know, maybe a month ago or less. Uh, So that implies, I mean, implies, it's pretty clear that this pyramid began to be covered up with dirt almost 26,000 years ago which if you're keeping up with the Mayan prophecies is a big um, marker in their calendar system, 26,000 years. So uh, that was interesting. We still have to wait and see. We probably 20 years from now still be discovering things in that location. But if you have free time and you want to go volunteer to help excavate, this is an incredible project, and I highly recommend that people do it. And they've got people there of all ages. Sometimes families with kids show up. Sometimes, mostly it's young people. Sometimes it's people in their 60s who show up to do one form of work or another. And there are many kinds of work to do. I and mean, one of the things you can do is just clean pot shards. Uh, there was a whole group of people on the roof of the hotel in the daytime washing pot shards under the direction of the archaeology students. So by pot shards, I mean broken pots, like pieces of uh, pottery from different eras. They have, uh, they found a prehistoric house that they were excavating this year. They found uh, in one location, because these pyramids are huge, bear in mind, gigantic pyramids, the biggest on the planet, bigger than anything in Egypt. Um. So in another location, they found a Roman ruined and uh, pieces of broken Roman pottery. And so on. So um, it's beyond fascinating to go there. It's beyond uh, gratifying to help with that project. And there are a lot of strange things that happen to people. Um, I'll give you an example. There was a woman from Spain who went down into the tunnels and was working. Uh, they had crews of people excavating the. The tunnels have been filled at some time in the past I I suppose, to protect them and protect what's in there. There's some form of technology that's still in there that um, they don't understand what the source is, but they have located the source of some of it using geo-radar. Um, but... What happens is that uh, people go down into the tunnels to excavate, and then things happen so um, there this one woman from Spain who had recently lost her husband um, well let me backtrack a little bit. There were a couple of people in the um having there's some conflict between a couple of men who were in charge of running the um excavation. One was an archaeologist and the other is a man who's been in charge of excavating those tunnels for five years. And they had differences of opinion and they were getting upset when suddenly, while they were standing opposite each other in a particularly newly excavated section of the tunnel, there was a loud moaning sound that shook the floor. It was so loud. And vibrated the room they were in. And, um, it scared both of them horribly, and uh, they left. Each of them thought the other one had made the noise. And uh, as a group d- got together the next morning and meditated and said, okay, the um, the energies in the tunnels are unhappy with the conflict, so let's change the energy. They meditated. They um, made an altar at the entrance because you can't take organic material in there um, inside the tunnels. And um, the energy shifted in the tunnels after this ceremony. And then the lady from Spain arrives late, not knowing anything about either of those incidents. And she goes into the tunnel and starts working. And all of a sudden, something hits her in the chest. A form of energy hits her in the chest and fills her body with light and with joy. And she just started sobbing with joy. And she said it felt exactly like she'd been filled with light and uh, in every way the description was very similar to a, an enlightenment experience which we can have many of. I'm not saying this woman is fully enlightened now and is the Buddha. There are different stages of enlightenment. But she definitely had an enlightenment experience. And um, just kept on working. Kept on pushing the wheelbarrow and taking the dirt out of the tunnel and dumping it and crying and for joy and um, it was an extraordinary experience for her. Another thing that happened in the tunnels was, and this happened to me and another woman separately, but like a day apart, our cameras stopped taking pictures. The camera still worked. You could look at the pictures you'd already taken. The batteries were still good, but it simply refused to take more photographs. So. Poof, there went one of my cameras, and it's never come back to its original state. And the same thing happened to her. And neither of us knew it had happened to the other person. So the energies in the the tunnels just, you know, there's a limit to how many pictures you can take, apparently. Um, Because when you're busy taking pictures, are you really experiencing what what it is you're doing, or are you um, distracting yourself with activity? So they have recently uncovered a place called, the, and I meditated in there for a while. And part of my reason for spending lots of time in the tunnels was a: it was cool in there, and nowhere else. It's about 55 degrees in there. Um, and oddly enough, the more times you go in there, the less you feel the cold. It feels normal, and you can go in in shorts and a short sleeve shirt and not feel it. But anyway. Um, I meditated in there quite a bit and the other reason I was there is there they have healing properties inside those tunnels and um several of us were there doing the work and uh experiencing the healing at the same time. So um if you're if you've called in and you have a question you be sure and hit the number one and I'll open a line if you've got questions and answer them to the best of my ability. So after my computer crash, um, I decided I was going to go to London to get it worked on up there and um, went to visit friends uh, for about a week and then planned a trip to Glastonbury for about a week. And while I was with the friend, got my computer worked on and it turned out to be a hard drive crash. Um, And while I was in the London area, I asked my friend, well, are there any sacred sites around here? And as it turns out, there are. Uh, And she wasn't aware of them. So the first one we went to visit, and she's got three little bitty kids, so we had to balance all that in our little trips. They normally fly kites, and there were four barrows, uh, or maybe five. It was called five five knolls, K-N-O-L-L-S. If you want to Google that, it's near Dunstan Dunstan Downs. That's the name of it, Dunstan Downs. Trail sites, 4,000 years old, that have never been excavated. There are so many ancient, ancient sites in England that they just kind of shrug and walk over them and there's a bike trail going over the top of them um, and they've never been excavated. And it was interesting. I meditated for a while and... They have incredible winds at that location. There's a glider um, airport down at the bottom. And uh, there are professional kite flyers that um, go up to the top of the biggest hill to uh, have, uh, they give lessons, free lessons to people. Children go up there to fly their kites. And they also have uh, international competition, kite flying competitions there. So there's something special with the wind there at Dunstan Downs. And the other thing that we discovered, or that my friend discovered on the Internet, and she and I and her infant went on Sunday while her husbands stayed with the bigger kids, or Saturday, maybe, anyway, um, is something called the Royston Cave, which is uh, on a crossing of the Michael and Mary Ley Lines. There are many such crossings, but this is one of the crossings. Um and there are, if you're curious, ley maps of England on the Internet, you just uh, go Google that. Um, and it's a cave that was rediscovered in the mid-1700s when somebody moved a millstone that was covering its opening. Um, and it just looked like a hill at the time. But it was a little opening into the ground. And there is um, a limestone cave beneath a street uh, near Cambridge, England that has carvings all the way around the inside that look like medieval era and from the um, imagery it has been surmised that this was probably a hiding place for the Knights Templar um, during the era of their persecution. Um, There are some other more ridiculous theories but this is the one that makes the sense to most people um, or makes the most sense to the largest number of people. And um, we went down in there, and the, one of the interesting things was it, they were carved all the way around. But there was a place to lie down in there. It had a wooden floor, and around the edges you could see uh, that there'd originally been another wooden floor that was shaped like the Star of David, which, by the way, is a Merkabah, which is a uh, light body construct, light body construct that allows people to ascend. You might want to go online if you don't know about a Merkaba and Google that, M-E-R-K-A-B-A. It's way too complicated to go into here. But the wooden floor around the edge, there was a limestone ridge. And um, there was a place to lie down, which made me think of shamanism. So maybe the Knights Templar practiced, practiced shamanism because you, for the most part, people do lie down when they do a shamanic journey. And uh, they use caves because it's dark. And shaman means the one who can see in the dark. So I know a lot of religious orders, religious, um, many religions at the higher level secretly practice shamanism. A little known fact. And shamanism is the oldest spiritual uh, practice on the planet. So um, we spent about... 30 minutes down in there, I took some pictures, they're going to be on the blog later, again I'm processing a lot of the things that happened to me before i write again, the the blog where I've written about a lot of these journeys is uh, Acacia, no, no, that's the other blog, hotpinklotus.blogspot.com that's where you go, and remember the most recent post is at the top, if you want to read the older ones, you have to scroll down and hit previous page and all that It's a pretty lengthy blog. It's been going on for about four years now. Um, So then I went to Glastonbury, which is, if you've ever read The Mists of Avalon*, as I said, that's what it was written about, was um, what used to be an island. Um, Figures prominently in the Arthur and Guinevere um, tales. And uh, believe it or not, some people think he was just a myth and didn't really exist. I do think he existed. Um, And it figures prominently in the shift between the matriarchal uh, goddess-worshipping culture that existed previous to uh, the onset of Christianity, which is patriarchal, and um, there is a sacred hill, called the Tor. And at the top, there are the ruins of a, of about, I uh, think, an 11th century cathedral. There's only one tower left of all of that. Um, and I did climb to the top. That's a very interesting experience. I would have loved to have meditated, but there were so many uh, noisy tourists with cameras and cigarettes that I was unable to do that. And um My understanding is every time you go up there, you're going to have a different experience. And if you go at dawn, there are fewer noisy tourists. And if you go when it's not sunny, because the sun doesn't come out that often, and when it does, people get outside and do their touristy thing. Um, And there are two other very interesting things in Glastonbury. And there are two sacred uh, springs, as I mentioned earlier, the white and the red. And the red one is much more widely known. It's called the Chalice Well. And it's red from iron deposits, which, when they hit the oxygen in the air, become iron oxide. And then the water looks rusty. And believe me, it tastes rusty too. (laughs) Uh, Tastes like blood. You know, if you've ever cut your lip or anything, you taste the iron in the blood. And then the other spring is across the street. And it's the white spring. And it's got calcium. In it, and it's delicious, delicious water. Um, and uh, the one that's really well-known, they charge uh, eight pounds to get in, I think. No, four pounds. I don't know. I don't remember, which is about $8. The other one is free admission, and it's very dark in there. Like Yang, like yin is dark, like uh, the wound is dark, and it's just this beautiful, beautiful... Um, A huge sort of retaining pool that's about five feet deep. The wall of the pool comes five feet above where you stand at any rate. I don't really know how deep it is. You can take a dip in there if you tell them ahead of time. And it is considered a sacred activity, sort of like a form of baptism. And you cannot take photographs inside there. And they have several altars in there. Uh and it is manned by volunteers. It's open in the afternoon. If you're ever in Glastonbury and it's not open, go back the next day. You just have to hit it when it's open. But it was my favorite of all the places there because it was so, um, innocent. It hadn't been turned into Disneyland like the Chalice Well, even though the the energy's still great, don't get me wrong, but I don't like the way they've sculpted uh, every inch of that, um, Water, the way the water falls down, it comes across, you know, something that's cast out of cement instead of allowing it to touch the earth the way that it should, Um, in my opinion. I really loved the White Spring because of its innocence and um, purity and no photographs and um, I went in there barefoot. Water is about as warm as freshly melted snow, (laughs) but it was so beautiful. And I had incredible experiences at several of those locations. I'm not ready to talk about them yet. I need to process. Um, these were personal things. These were personal experiences. And uh, sleeping at the Chalice Hill House, which was on Chalice Hill, part of the Isle of Avalon, for five nights, I was... Um, I had some really bizarre experiences right there in the room. Um, and very, very... Prophetic profound dreams. Um, so it was an extraordinary experience. I uh, very much enjoyed the trip. I came home and I'm still trying to get back on Houston time. Um, I am doing, trying to get past life, I'm trying to get caught up on all this other stuff. So I'm doing past life readings and healing sessions like Gangbusters right now, trying to get back on the clock that I'm supposed to be on and, um, feeling utterly transformed, I will tell you that, um, and I plan to go back to Glastonbury one day soon, and if you want to come with me, let me know, I'm thinking about putting together a group, a small group, it will be small, so, uh, I'm going to play a little bit of music, if I think of something else I want to tell you, I will, and, um, I'm glad you came today and listened. This is Adam Hurst, Ritual from the album of the same name. So let me remind you, I've written two books that have been uploaded so far. One is Akashic Records, Case Studies of Past Lives. It's in paperback and on Kindle. The other is only on Kindle, and it is called Edina, E-D-I-N-A, which is an acronym, so it's all in caps. Edina, Energy Medicine from the Stars. Both books are $2.99 on Kindle. Because I want people to have the opportunity to read them without money being a, an obstacle. Um, and um, a lot of people report reading the book on past lives that they experience healing just from reading about other people's past lives, which shouldn't surprise me. It did, but it shouldn't. That's exactly how group therapy works. Um You can be healed by hearing about someone else's stuff. It's easier when it's somebody else than when you think it's about you. And yet the healing occurs anyway. Um, So if you want to find those books, just go to Amazon and uh, put my name in a search engine, Lois, L-O-I-S, Wetzel, W-E-T-Z-E-L. And um, if you want to join me on Facebook, I'm there, Lois Wetzel in Houston. And on Twitter, it's H. P. Lotus—that's what my name is on Twitter. If you want to join me there, um, and my primary website is hotpinklotus.com. There's also a blog on Akashic Records readings called akashicrecordsreadings.blogspot.com, and I post some recent readings um, bits from from those that I think are interesting. There, I posted something yesterday. So uh, thank you for coming and listening today, and whether you're listening live or in the archives, it's always free in the archives on Blog Talk Radio, um, my shows at any rate. Uh, I've got kind of, a, it's been going on for over three years now, I have a library of free metaphysical teaching, mostly um, in audio form, mostly from interviewing other people, although lately uh, readings have been urging me to talk to people myself and share who I am and what I know rather than just interviewing other people. Um, And frankly, interviewing other people is more comfortable for me, but I've been told it's time for me to let people find out who I am, so I'm going to be doing more talking. Come see me again tomorrow, I mean Friday, next Friday at 9 a.m. And the following Friday, I have jury duty, so I'll upload something in advance. Um, So, see, even people, uh, everybody gets jury duty. (laughs) We still have mailing addresses and own property. Um, So, see you next week at 9 a.m. Central Time, the Lois Wetzel Show. Thank you. Bye-bye.